Today I am reading from Exodus chapter 4, verse 27, then through to chapter 6, verse 12, and I'm reading from the New International Version. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had said to him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Chapter 5 Bricks Without Straw Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord, what that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and will not let the Israel go. Then they said, The Lord of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt says, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labour? Get back to work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are numerous and you are stopping them from working. The same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our Lord. Make the work harder for the people so they, that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble for use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work you required of you each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers bet the Israelites overseers um, they had appointed demanding. Why haven't you met your quota of bricks to yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your, your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants have, are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. Let That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. All you will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realised that they were in trouble when they were told, you are to not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them, and they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. 
you have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his of and his officials, and you have put a sword in their hand to kill us. God promises deliverance. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on it, on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh and speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people and you have not rescued your people at all. Chapter 6 Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of the mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord. I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the, who the Egyptians are, are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with, with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labour. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why, put, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. This is the word of God. Thank you, Katie, for reading for us this morning. Let's, let's pray as we turn to reflect on what Katie has read for us. Lord God, thank you once again for your word. Thank you that it is a, a light to our path and it helps us to walk that path without stumbling. Lord, we open our hearts now to you. We ask you to speak through what we have read as we reflect on it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Although our passage this morning has many players, from Moses to Aaron to the Egyptian slave drivers and their king Pharaoh, I'd like us to think about the Israelites themselves and how they respond to the events that transpire here in the story. Moses, after his initial failure at trying to help his people 80 years before, has in the meantime had a Midianite education under the wise tutelage of his father-in-law Jethro. 
And even more importantly, Moses has had an encounter with the living God at the burning bush. And there God lets Moses know that God is indeed concerned for his people in Egypt. And he instructs Moses to tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let his people go. And despite all Moses' objections at which we looked last week, God asked Moses to simply trust him. Moses reluctantly sets off for Egypt. And on the way, he is encouraged to meet his brother Aaron, who greets him warmly, just as God said he would. He tells Aaron all that God has told him at the burning bush. And Moses and Aaron then go to Egypt. They gather the people and they tell them what God has said and they show them the signs God has given Moses. Before their eyes, Moses turns his staff into a snake and then he picks it up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. He puts his hand into his coat he brings it out diseased, and then he does the same thing again, and it comes out healed this time. He goes to the river, and he scoops up some water. He pours it on the ground, and it turns to blood. The people are impressed, to say the least, and they are struck by Moses' message that God is on the move and that he has come to help them. And the text says that the Israelites worshipped God for this. We've no reason to doubt the sincerity of their worship. But what about these Israelites? What do we know about them up to this point? The Israelites are the descendants of Abraham. Abraham was a wandering alien. But God made Abraham a promise that through his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. He also promised Abraham that one day his descendants would live in and have as their possession the land of Canaan. God also, to also told Abraham that his descendants would live for 400 years in a land where they would be oppressed and where they would be taken advantage of before any of these promises would be fulfilled. Time passes, and Abraham's descendants end up in Egypt. At first, they're treated well there, but eventually they're taken advantage of and oppressed, just as God said it would be. They are oppressed and treated badly, but they are still the descendants of Abraham. And their purpose, according to God's promise, still stood. They would be blessed, and they would be a blessing to the whole world, but all in God's good time. It seems, however, by the story that we have before us this morning, that the Israelites had forgotten who they were and what their purpose was. Can you blame them? The Israelites have been in Egypt for over 400 years. They've been slaves for generations. 
And the problem was not so much that they were in Egypt. The problem was that Egypt had got into them. And their place in Egypt was about as low as you could get. And that's a story that is familiar to loads of people all over the world. When people oppress you and continually call you worthless, and they do it for generations, you begin to believe it yourself. You begin to forget who you really are, and you begin to forget what your purpose is. Perhaps after generations, you as, as an individual have never really known who you are and what your purpose is. You become what others want you to be instead. So what were the Israelites thinking that day that Moses rocks up with the message that God was on the move with these miraculous signs to prove it? Well, I imagine they thought, this is good news. I imagine they had been thinking for some time that it would be nice if God would step in and make things a bit more tolerable around Egypt. Maybe their prayers for some time were, Dear Lord, make Pharaoh a bit more kind. Oh God, help us to fit in better here in Egypt. Or, Lord, make our neighbors accept us even though we are a bit different. And maybe it was those kind of prayers that they thought God might be about to answer when Moses showed up. Maybe that's why they worship so fervently. And sure enough, God could answer such prayers. But God had other things in mind. In our story, after things kick off, after Moses has gone to Pharaoh and delivered God's message, and after Pharaoh reacts angrily, demanding that the Israelites make bricks without straw. And after the people are in turn angry at Moses for causing trouble, and after Moses in his turn complains to God, God responds. And this is what God says. He says to Moses, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Do you see what's going on here? The people only want God to do so much. They're not happy in Egypt, but Egypt is all they know. They just want their situation to be a little better. But God plans to make their situation 
a lot better. God plans to set them completely free. God plans to bless them beyond their imagining. And God plans through them to bless the whole world. So what is God to do with these people who are so stuck in Egypt and have Egypt so stuck in them? People like this need to be shaken up. They need to be roused from their stupor. And that is exactly what God, through Moses, tries to do. Verse 19 of chapter 5 clearly reveals the heart of the Israelites. It comes at the part of the story where the Israelite foremen have come back from a tongue lashing from Pharaoh. He repeatedly calls them lazy. Did you notice that? And he demands that they make bricks without straw. It is then that the text says, they realized they were in trouble. It's interesting that before this, they groaned and they moaned. And yes, the compassionate God heard their groaning and moaning. But even then, they didn't realize they were in trouble. A wise man once said, sometimes you need more trouble to realize you are already in trouble. Because the Israelites had made friends with their trouble, it requires this more trouble that's happening to help them realize what God is really up to. God doesn't want to just put a bandage on the situation. God is about healing the wound altogether. God's intention is to get right down to the heart of the problem and redeem these people from the inside out. That isn't e as easy as it sounds. The first 14 chapters of Exodus are all about getting the people out of Egypt. Now, that was a mammoth task. Took a lot of miracles. But the rest of the book and the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers are all about getting Egypt out of the people. They're all about getting them out of that mindset that has been drum, drummed into them for generations. And even then, the Bible's contention is that it isn't until the coming of Jesus that anyone fully realizes both the extent of the trouble they are in and just what lengths God will go to to get us out of that trouble. Have you noticed up till now, up till the passage that we're reading today, how many times God reminds Moses and asks Moses to remind the people who he is? Four times he tells him, I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He tells them this to also remind them who they are. The Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, were a people with a God-given purpose. And that purpose was to be God's unique people. 
uniquely his, uniquely having him in their presence, uniquely devoted to him and uniquely displaying his character by the way they lived. They should have remembered this purpose. It was what gave them their identity, that identity as, as the covenant people of God. That covenant that he had made with Abraham was what made them who they were. And they should have been expectant. They should have viewed their suffering through the bigger purposes of God. They should not have been living as if Egypt was their permanent home, but they were. I wonder if we can be a bit like the Israelites sometimes, or maybe even a lot like the Israelites. We too have a covenant identity and a purpose. Our covenant identity is given to us because we belong to Christ. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has established a new covenant for us. As with the Israelites, because of what Jesus has done, we belong to God. We are his unique people, uniquely having God present with us called to be uniquely devoted to God and meant to be uniquely displaying his character in the way we live. We too have a God-given purpose, not dissimilar to that which the Israelites had. Our purpose is to glorify God by being blessed and by blessing others. And yet, like the Israelites, we often suffer from amnesia, we forget what our identity and our purpose are. Instead of listening to God about who we are and fulfilling our purpose, we listen to the Pharaohs in our lives, both human and demonic. They love to give us tongue lashings. On the one hand, they tell us that we are lazy, that we are ugly, that we are good for nothing. And yes, sometimes they demand that we make bricks without straw. And on the other hand, they, they tell us that we're better than others, that we deserve better, that the world doesn't deserve us. And we forget our purpose. We either wallow in self-pity, hope only for fleeting pleasures, or we aggrandize our own schemes in life and make what we do and what we plan the ultimate, whether that be a job, a lifestyle, or even our family. And of course, the God who loves us is not going to leave us to stew in this Egypt where we find ourselves captive. As he needed to do for the Israelites, God sometimes needs to do for us. He needs to shake us up, bring us to our senses, and get us back to living our God-given identity and purpose. Now, sometimes that shaking up can happen in dramatic ways. Something can go wrong in life. 
we might get in trouble with a pharaoh. Stuff, plans, people we put our hope in might let us down. But God's shaking can also happen in less dramatic ways. It can come from a verse of scripture that strikes us between the eyes. It can come in a time of prayer and contemplation. It can come in the context of a candid conversation with a trusted friend. Or, may I dare suggest, it can come in the context of public worship. Maybe even from something a preacher says. I wonder if today God might be speaking to you, wanting to shake you up, longing for you to remember your identity and purpose and leave behind any lies that you may have believed about yourself and about your purpose in life. Let's pray. God says, you are mine. I love you. I have purchased you with my very own blood. God says, I want the best for you. I want you to be part of what I am doing to renew all things. I want you to feel useful and fulfilled in my kingdom. Lord, forgive us when we have forgotten who you are and who we are in the light of your unfailing love for us. Lord, help us to get back on track. Help us to lift our eyes from the dust of Egypt to the horizon of the land that you have promised us. Lord, keep us always looking up, always longing for your kingdom to come here in our lives, just as it has always been in heaven. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.